Well, good evening. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody here online with us also. Uh, glad to have you there on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Be sure to heart, to like, uh, to subscribe, to retweet us there on Twitter. Welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, we'll be glad to give you that number if you need it. Just call our church office and we'll, we'll get that to you. Uh, let me just encourage you to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download uh, this week's worship bulletin. A lot of upcoming activities there that you'll want to get downloaded uh, so that you can see those things that are going, along, going on uh, in this upcoming week. Some praise reports in there too about our offerings. And so we just want to give uh, God all the glory and the honor for that. And so also just want to remind you we have our children's worship bulletins that go along with this Sunday morning's uh, sermon. Uh, those are there under that info tab also at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. If you need those in person, there's several in the windowsill over here to my right, to your left, uh, that you can pick up also. And then don't forget uh, that you can also under that info tab download the prayer list. So be sure to get that downloaded or if you need the paper copy, they're out here in the hallway on the table right across from uh, my office. And so I encourage you to pick that up so you can be praying uh, for our church members and our friends and families and those uh, that are in the nursing homes and at home. I will mention, uh, we mentioned Miss uh, Susie Barton this morning uh, and uh, Eddie and Suzanne had told me this morning that she is at NHC in the skilled care. Uh, they hope to have her there for a couple of weeks and then hopefully an opening at Morning Point to get her moved over there. But that's where she is at now at NHC. Uh, she is out of the hospital there. I uh, also just want to encourage those who are online, if you want to do your online giving, and you can do that in person also, go to our church website there, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving. You can do your regular budget offering giving. You can do the international mission offering there for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, even though we've reached our goal, you can still uh, give to that, and that's a wonderful blessing. We'll be having a new offering that'll be coming up uh, here not too long for our North American missionaries with the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, that'll be here before we know it. We're already uh, two weeks into January. Uh, and so time is really flying by, but uh, you be sure to get those things downloaded, do those things online there. Uh, just let other people know that we're watching, you're watching so that they can watch uh, also and listen to us there on the phone live streaming. Glad to have everybody here this morning, or this evening. Brother Mike, if you'll come. Take your hymnals and join us with uh, 542 in Loving Kindness, Jesus Came. Tommy, you'll see where it's first, second, fourth. Ms. Rima?
Mike. Thank you, Ms. Rima. Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through verse 19. I've entitled tonight's message, Where Are the Nine? And you're going to find out that as we get into this passage, because this is a scripture that is probably familiar to most of us as believers. If you've read uh, through the Gospels, uh, you've read about this story, uh, and you're going to learn more about here, about how this applies to us and to where we are uh, today. And so we're just going to begin here uh, with verse 11 down through verse 14. And I don't know if I have this in the right order, Tommy, but just go ahead with whatever I have there. Uh, let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. On the way to Jerusalem, He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered a village, He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your word tonight and ask, Lord, that you will use it to speak truth into our hearts, help us to see the application for our lives, uh, even as believers tonight. Uh, Father, I pray that the gospel message will be heard also for those who have never trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Uh, may they be faithful to do that, uh, even tonight as they hear your voice speaking to their hearts. And we just pray, God, for your spirit to go forth, stir people's hearts to the response that they need to make uh, to this message. And Father, I pray that you will just uh, anoint your word. Uh, may it be powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Use it in our lives, Lord, to, to rightly divide the truth and to show us any error of our ways that we might confess and repent of our sins to stay on the straight and narrow path to follow you. So bless your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. This passage here is the account of ten lepers who were healed by the Lord Jesus. They were essentially a pitiful group uh, when Jesus saw them because leprosy was a terrible, uh, terrible disease. Uh, what a terrible picture they must have been. I mean, think about it. Their bodies covered with sores, their, their breath absolutely miserable uh, and, and unbearable. Uh, they, they had a, a cloth many times over their upper lip. Now, we don't think about that much today until COVID came along and we, we started wearing masks and such. But that's what they were doing. They were having a cloth over, over their upper lip because they didn't want to spread the germs uh, even more. Uh, notice in this verse also they were afar off. Think about that in, in the last few years. Keep your six-foot distance from one another. Well, that's kind of uh, what was going on here. They were having to do even further than that. They were in this terrible, miserable condition. And their, their common misery uh, ha has brought them together. And these ten lepers are holding together, looking for something or someone that can cure them. Now, in those days, leprosy was an incurable disease. There was no known cure. Now, of course, we know that Jesus is the great physician, and we know that there's nothing impossible for the Lord. There's nothing incurable when it comes to the presence of the Lord Jesus. So when these ten lepers call out to Jesus, and Jesus says to them, go and show yourself to the priests as they were going, 
Uh, his goodness overtakes them. His mercy surrounds them. His power overwhelms them. And they are miraculously and wondrously cured, all ten of the lepers, right there on the spot. Now, the Bible's going to tell us here uh, that, that one of those lepers turns and comes back to Jesus, and he thanks Jesus for what he's done. But I want you to see, as we're going to mostly look at here uh, in this passage, there's a dark side, if you will, to this miracle. Because we see the wonderful miracle of all the ten lepers cured, and out of ten, there's only one who returns and thanks Jesus for the cure. Understand that leprosy is a symbol in the flesh of sin in the soul. Uh, leprosy is a reminder to us uh, uh, of what a terrible thing sin is when it comes into a heart uh, and into a life. The miracle here is a reminder to us of the power of the Lord Jesus uh, to, to come and to cleanse us uh, and to save us from our sins. But on the dark side of this miracle is that there are so very few people who ever take the time to thank Jesus and to express that thanksgiving by following Jesus. I mean, think about it. Isn't that true? Uh, a lot of people have been saved by the Lord. Uh, the Lord's brought them out of the, the garbage that they were in and sin. Uh, their lives have been changed. They've been put back together again, and yet they just go on their way. Uh, they really don't ever bother to thank the Lord. They don't express uh, their thanksgiving by thanking Him verbally, much less living for Him uh, in their lives. So Jesus in that context, I think, asked the saddest question that was ever asked. Where are the nine? That sad question is also a surprising question because one of the first lessons in good manners that we ever learn is the answer to the question, what are you supposed to say? Thank you. Uh, here we find this story, these nine men who never learned that simple childhood lesson. Here we find the sad story of an, of an unclean multitude, an unparalleled miracle, and an ungrateful majority. It's the sad tale of ingratitude. And worse, it's the horror story of nine men who were within reach of heaven, and as best we know, they died lost in their sin and went to hell with clean skin but a filthy soul. But today I want us to focus as we begin on this one man who turned around to simply say thank you for what Jesus had done. So as you examine his life and his condition and the miracle he received from, from Jesus, I think you'll see that, our, that his story is our story. Uh, my prayer is, is that his grateful response will be our grateful response. So notice three things about this man. First of all, notice the sickness that consumes. The sickness that consumes. You know, in the picture, in the, in the Bible, there are many pictures and sim or symbols, if you will, of sin. There's death or blindness or, or sickness or the, an inability. All those have been used in the Bible to picture lostness. Each of those words gives us just a little glimpse, if you will, into some of the aspects of our, our desperate condition before God. Uh, but, but no picture is clearer than this disease of leprosy. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, notice it was a deadly problem. 
a deadly problem. In verse 11 and verse 12, uh, leprosy was a terrible, dreadful disease. Uh, for starters, it devastated the body. So if you look at verse 12, uh, verse 11 and 12 again, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who we already know something's wrong with, with leprosy here because they stood at a distance. Now that word leprosy means to strike or to smite. And these men were definitely smitten. I mean, think about it. Scaly white sores uh, appear uh, around the eyes and the mouth. Open, oozing, ulcerated sores have, have spread all over their, their body. Limbs and fingers and toes would literally rot off. Ears and noses and appendages uh, would, would fall off the body. Uh, a person might get out of bed and, and and their arms stay in the bed. Uh, a foul stench of, uh, of leprosy, uh, of a leprous body is said to have been as detectable as far as a quarter of a mile away. That's how much it smelled. Not to be unkind, but, but that's a body odor that no deodorant would help. It would ultimately and eventually consume you from head to toe. It not only devastated the body but it also dulled the senses because there would be nerve damage. Uh, nerve damage was a major factor uh, in this disease. A leper would, uh, could walk through fire and not even know it. Uh, a leper could, could have an open wound and, and not even feel it. Uh, rodents could be drawn to their decay, decaying flesh and, and could be even eating on the leper and the leper not even know it because he can't even feel it. It's not only devastated the body and dulled the senses, it divided relationships because they were highly contagious people. Lepers were confined to a life of separation from their friends and their families. I mean, think about the things we take for granted. No goodnight kiss, no hugs, no family reunions, no worship services together with others, just hanging around with other lepers inside a leper colony. Let me take you back to the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 45 and verse 46 where it tells us what was to happen to lepers. In Leviticus 13 verse 45 it says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. So he was to make this noise, and, and sometimes they even would ring a bell uh, to, to let others know that they were near them. Uh, and, and so they would holler out this unclean, unclean, in case a blind person is walking near them. They would ring a bell. Uh, he, he says he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. This is, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So think about that. No matter if he's married, no matter if he's got kids, uh, no matter if he's got grandkids, he can't be around any of them. He can't socialize with them. He can't talk to them. He has to stay on the outside with the leper camp. It demanded judgment. Levitical law required a leper to show himself to the priest. And the priest would examine him and, and declare him unclean. So keep in mind that the priest, he couldn't cure all he could do was condemn. So he, there was no cure that he could bring, but all he could do was condemn the individual. Notice also the desperate plea in verse 13. They would lift up their voices saying, these ten did, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
kind of reminds us, if you've read some of the other stories in the New Testament about Bartimaeus who was uh, beside the Jericho Road when he said, have mercy on me. Or like the man who had the demoniac son in Mark chapter 9 who, who said, if you can, have mercy on us. Or, or like the tax collector in Luke chapter 18 that said, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've never found a place in the Bible where someone sincerely asked Jesus for mercy and they didn't receive it. Notice that Jesus is abounding in grace. He is limitless in love and he is extravagant in his mercy. In fact, when the Apostle Paul uh, describes the wealth of God, he says this in Ephesians chapter 2, that God is rich in mercy. Some are rich in land. God is rich in love. Some are rich in gold, but God is rich in grace. Some are rich in cash, but God is rich in compassion. Some are rich in money, but God is rich in mercy. That's why we, we rightly sing, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me now safe am I we sing that love lifted me that's what these lepers were crying as they were shouting Jesus Jesus master have mercy on us that's all they could do because there was no other help notice the divine power in verse 14, if these men ever needed help, and they did, they came to the right place. This is one of the greatest miracles uh, of all time. In fact, no other miracle recorded saw 10 people healed by one act. If you need a divine act on your behalf, you've come to the right place when you come to the feet of the Lord Jesus. Notice again uh, there in the beginning of verse 14, it says, And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they, as, and as they went, they were cleansed. Here were these men who came to Jesus. Psalm 68 verse 19 says this, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. He is still in the life-transforming, sin-forgiving business. Psalm 103 and verse 2 and verse 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity or your sin, who heals all your diseases. Now when we see what Jesus does here, this isn't some kind of smoke and mirrors trick, if you will. This wasn't a, a bottle of, of miracle water. This isn't some sleight of hand of a, of a modern charlatan. The Son of the Most High God puts his power on display. But think if the story ended here, it would be one of the greatest stories in the Bible. But the depth of their despair and the power of the Lord Jesus are, are, are listed here to who the incredible, uh, to these who, this incredible mind blowing wonder uh, of their ingratitude. That's the sickness that consumes. They received such a great miracle, and only one could take the time to come and thank Jesus. 
Notice in the rest of verse 14, the Savior that cleanses. Not only the sickness that consumes, but the Savior that cleanses. In, in order to be placed back into society, these men needed a word of confirmation from the priests. But Jesus has another reason for sending them to go see the priests. The timing of this miracle is going to set a dynamic contrast between the death that comes by law and the life that comes from Jesus. And so in verse 14 it says, When he, said, he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And we wonder why do they need to go show themselves to the priests. And it says, And as they went... They were cleansed. So understand that they did not receive the miracle until they went, till they did what Jesus said for them to do. So notice if you read in, in Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus had cleansed the leper there with a touch and a word. Remember that story? The, the leper said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. Now, the purpose of that miracle was to picture sin and the willingness of Jesus to forgive any and all kinds of sinners. Why? Because he's not willing for any to perish, but that all should come to salvation, to repentance. But this miracle that we see here in Luke chapter 17 has, has if you will, uh, it wasn't as much focused on, uh, on, on what the first one was in Mark chapter 1 with the cleansing by the, the touch and the word. This miracle has the crucifixion in mind. This miracle was about bringing things to a head. Because when you go back to Mark chapter 1, Jesus cleansed the leper and told him not to tell it to any man in any way. Uh, Jesus had to go into seclusion, uh, but the man told it anyway. Uh, and that's why he had to go into seclusion. There, there his time had not yet come. And that's why he says don't go and tell anybody yet. Well, we're only a couple of chapters away now from Jesus' final trip to Jerusalem. So similarly, if you allow uh, the work of God in, in your life, God will use the difficulty in your life to put his own identity on display. And so that's the prophetic motive that we see here. Show yourself to the priests. So that's the prophetic motive. Notice the, the second part here is the practical means. Because it, and as they were going. And as they were going. So the cleansing happens, occurs as a result of them responding to the word of God. You think about in the Old Testament, Naaman. Naaman was cleansed after he dipped seven times in the Jordan. The man that was born blind was healed when he washed. The woman, you remember, who had the issue of blood was healed when she touched the hem of the Lord's garment. These ten lepers were healed as they went. And so understand that like these lepers, uh, your miracle from God may be waiting on the other side uh, of an act of obedience. There's the prophetic motive, show yourself to the priest. There's the practical means, and as they were going. And now you see the powerful miracle, they were healed. Can you imagine what that was like? I mean, because remember the description of their body and, and, and you had these sores that are oozing everywhere. You have appendages that have been falling off, skin that's coming off. Uh, imagine here, did the limbs grow back that had rotted off? 
I mean, skin that had been dry and scaly, it was moist again. The skin that had been opening, open and, and, and oozing, it's smooth again. For the first time, perhaps in 10 years, they were no longer leprous. Harry Ironside wrote in his commentary, he said this, We never read in all the Old Testament records of one leper being declared cleansed by the priests in 1,500 years of the Old Testament. And the priests, he said, must have wondered why that 14th chapter of Leviticus was in the Bible. They would naturally say, I've read that chapter over and over, but I've never had to apply it to, to, to declare somebody clean." But when Jesus came, things were different. He said one leper after another was sent to the temple at Jerusalem to be pronounced clean. And when they appeared before the priests, he was found, uh, those individuals were found to be healed uh, of their leprosy. The bottom line is this. When Jesus came, things were different. When Jesus comes in power, blind people start to see, deaf people uh, start to hear, lame people begin to walk, mute people begin to speak, uh, dead people start living, and most importantly, lost people start getting saved. We've seen the sickness that consumes. We've seen the Savior that cleanses, but here's where I want to close this with and put most of our attention to, the salvation that covers. The salvation that covers. You'll see this in verse 15 down through verse 19. When you examine the wonderful thing that happened to the one uh, man, we can, to this one man who did come back, we can learn something about the awful things that happened to the other nine men. Notice there's a public declaration in verse 15 and verse 16. So they're all healed. And then it says in verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. There's some Samaritans popping up again. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That was a, a, an affront to all the Jews who would think uh, that Jesus would even use a Samaritan as the good guy in one of his parables. And now here's, a man, here's a one man who comes back uh, to, to thank God, to thank Jesus for bringing healing to him. And he's a Samaritan. The first thing he does is he publicly professes Jesus. And please notice this. His, 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 his praise, his declaration is a loud and lavish praise. I mean, he looks and he sees, man, I'm healed. I don't have leprosy anymore. Uh, my appendages are, are all looking clean and clear. My hands, all those sores that were all over me, they're gone. And he turns back and he looks at Jesus and he shouts, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. It wasn't a quiet praise. So often we want to be sometimes reserved. While this man uh, wasn't saved by his public confession, and while he wasn't saved by, by, while we're not saved by baptism, why would anybody want to go public for Jesus Christ? Why would anyone uh, want to stand with their lips together when the saints are, are singing, look bored while the people of God are worshiping, act like you're in agony when God is being praised? This man was praising God. He couldn't get over it. 
And he wanted everybody to know it. It was that man, it was Jesus who healed me, and I want everybody to know that. Let me tell you this tonight. If you're here as a believer, Jesus has healed you of an even greater problem than leprosy. He has washed your sins as white as snow. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you ought to praise the Lord to the top of your lungs. Praise God that I'm saved, that I'm going to heaven, that if my life should end right now, if I should take my last dying breath, I know I'm going to be with you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sin. There's the public declaration. But notice the pointed distinction in verse 17 and verse 18. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? And then he asked that question, Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Someone said that an ungrateful man is like a hog tied under a tree eating acorns but never looking up to see where they came from. Someone else said if you want to find gratitude, look in the dictionary. But if you want to find ingratitude, look to these nine men. The extent, to the extent that this pictures salvation, Jesus, were asking, Jesus was asking just like he would ask even here today, weren't there hundreds of people that I saved here at this church? Where, where are the others? Surely I saved more marriages than this. Certainly I've been better to you than this. I don't understand how I could do so much for so many and yet so few give me so little glory. I'll tell you how. Because these other nine didn't want the cleansing of their soul. They merely wanted the cleansing of their skin. They wanted their best life now. They wanted every day to be their Friday. What they wanted was to get rid of their problem, get back to their families, and get on with their lives doing what they wanted to do. What a picture of the church today. To them, Jesus was just a, merely a means to an end. But Jesus will never be a means to an end. He'll never be your good luck charm, your rabbit's foot, your, your get-out-of-jail-free card. Have you ever wondered what happened to those other nine lepers who were healed by Jesus that never came back to thank Him and follow Him? I mean, just imagine what they must have done, just like so many other people that we see around us. Imagine a little bit and try to answer the question, where are the nine? We go out and we look and, and we find the first of these lepers over at his house and his wife's preparing him a meal. His, his children are playing uh, all over him. He's, he's really glad that he's home. He, he can be back with the family again. Somebody walks up to him and says, Hey, sir, I know you're having a big time, but aren't you one of those lepers that Jesus healed? And the man says, Oh, yes, I, I'm so glad I'm one of those lepers Jesus healed. I'm so glad to be back home. I missed my wife. I missed my family. I was, it was awful being in that leper's colony. Yes, sir, Jesus healed me, and I give him all the credit, and I'm so thankful that he totally changed my life. And the person would ask, I heard you were one of those lepers, and I wanted to ask you a question. Are you going to follow Jesus now? No, I don't guess I'll be following Jesus. Why not? 
Well, I got my family. I got my kids. I want to be a good husband to my wife. I want to be a good father to my children. I've been told that if you follow Jesus, you have to be gone from home a lot. I've been told that if you follow Jesus, he even said at one time that you're to love him more than you love family. And I just can't do that. I have my family to think of. I want to be a good husband, a good daddy. I don't guess I'll be following Jesus. Well, did you ever thank Jesus for what he did for you? Well, no. Come to think of it, I really didn't thank Jesus for healing me of leprosy. And Jesus said, where are the nine? We find another of those lepers, and he's at a welcome home party, seeing that big sign, uh, welcome home leper. Uh, this guy has people all around him. We walk up to him and say, excuse me, sir, uh, we, we hate to interrupt you and take you away from your friends, but are you one of those lepers who Jesus healed? And he says, yes, sir, he healed me, and it was, it was great to be back with my friends. Those lepers I was hanging around with, uh, not too much of them. Uh, they aren't good friends. Uh, about all we had in common was our leprosy, and it sure is good for me to be back with my friends. And then somebody asks, well, are, are you going to follow Jesus now? I don't think I'm going to follow Jesus because I've been told that if you really follow Jesus, you might lose some friends. We all have to have friends, and to be perfectly honest with you, my friends don't think too much of Jesus. Their language is kind of bad, but, but they're my friends. And I'm going to witness to them one day, uh, but I'm not going to rush things. I, I, I don't want them to think I'm some kind of religious fanatic. I, I'm just, I, I, I don't want them to, uh, I'm, I'm just going to wait. Get some things right, and then I won't be too offensive to them. I might say a little word to them, but I have my friends to think about. We ask, when Jesus healed you, did you go back and thank him? Nah, uh, but I know he knows I'm thankful. He already knows it, so why do I have to go? And Jesus says, where are the nine? We're looking around, and we find another of those lepers, and we see what's happened to him. And they all began to make excuse after excuse. They didn't thank Jesus. They make excuse why they didn't follow Jesus. For one, it's their business. For another, they're just living it up. They, they just want to have fun. For another, it's the busyness in religion, but, but they don't want anything to do with the relationship because relationships are messy, and they've seen enough messy as a leper. Uh, another's focused on, on gaining fame. Another's too busy uh, getting physically fit. He's overly focused on his body, the here and the now. Another doesn't want any trouble, and he's more concerned uh, about what others would say about him, so he lets his fears keep him from following Jesus. Another's more concerned about his retirement. Let somebody else serve. He doesn't want to go overboard with Jesus. And with each one, Jesus says, where are the nine? What about your family? What about your friends? What about your finances? What about your fun? What about your faith? What about your fame? What about your fitness? What about your fears? What about your future? What is it that's keeping you from following Jesus? Their refusal to return and to glorify Christ reveals that they had already gotten out of Jesus all they wanted from him. We've seen the public declaration. We've seen the pointed distinction. But now you see a personal deliverance in verse 19. And so Jesus says to him, to the one who came back to thank him, he said to him, 
Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Think about that. Ten men got healed. One man got saved. Your faith saved you. Think about it. If Jesus is your healer, but not your Savior, you just go to hell after a little longer life. If Jesus is your provider, but He's not your Savior, you leave more to your heirs when you die, but you still go to hell. If Jesus is your comforter, but He's not your Savior, you die in your peace before you live eternally in torment. So notice the timeline of this story is quite compelling. The nine thankless lepers would have gone to the priest who would have begun a lengthy process to declare them clean. I mean, you didn't just walk up to the priest and he looks and he says, huh, you look clean. No, there was a process that had to go on, a long, lengthy process. According to Leviticus 14, they would take two birds, kill one and dip the live bird in the dead bird's blood. And the leper would see that blood dripping from the wings of the bird, and he would understand that the price for his cleansing, and, and he would understand the message, you would understand the message that would come from that leper, I am clean because of the blood. Eight days later, that former leper would bring three lambs, two adult male lambs and one little ewe lamb to the temple. The priest would begin a rather elaborate process of, of slaying those animals to declare the leper clean. And because of the timeline, travel times, it's very possible that while their priest was offering a sacrifice to atone for their sins, that Jesus was on the cross at Calvary as our high priest, offering not three, but one sacrifice for the sins of the world. We can't be sure about that, but as we know, these men died lost in their sin even though their leprosy was cleansed. And so this story, as tragic as it is, reminds us that religion can call you clean, but only Jesus can make you clean. September the 8th, 1860, there was a sightseeing ship named the Lady Elgin that collided with another boat called the Augusta in the waters of Lake Michigan. Within a few minutes, the ship was a total wreck. The passengers were, were fighting for their lives as they clung to the pieces floating uh, in, in the water uh, in, in amongst the debris there. Most of the passengers actually floated almost all of the eight miles to the shore. But with the shoreline nearly in reach, the swift undertow caused by a storm pulled them back out into Lake Michigan and to their deaths. One of the few heroes of that sad story was a theology student at Northwestern. Hearing of the, of the disaster that was going on, Ed Spencer ran down to the shoreline to do what he could. He was an experienced swimmer. He dove into the surf, began fighting against the undertow, pulling people to safety. At one point, his classmates tied a rope around him, around his waist, as he went out into the surf again and again and again. History credits Ed Spencer was saving 18 people that night from certain death before collapsing on the shoreline from total exhaustion. Ed Spencer gradually recovered 
from the exposure and the exertion of that night, but it broke his health from which he never completely recovered. He moved to California where he spent the rest of his life in seclusion. And when he died at the age of 81, his local paper told the story and stated that not one of those 18 people that he saved ever came and thanked him for what he'd done. Understand this. Religion can make the declaration that you want. But only Jesus can make the transformation that you need. And if he has redeemed your life, you just flat out ought to turn around and tell him, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving my soul. Lord, thank you for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. What a powerful story of these ten who were healed, but only one who was saved. What are you doing? Are you declaring to the lost and dying world around you, it's Jesus who brought the ultimate healing into your life, who brought salvation to your soul? Are you declaring to the world the good news of Jesus Christ? Or is Jesus asking, where are the nine? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my prayer tonight is that we, as a believer, would not be a part of the nine. Those who were thankless, who showed ingratitude by their very actions, not one of them, not one of those nine ever turned around to come to Jesus to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did to me. Only one out of those ten. Father, as we think about that and we think about the statistics of those being saved even today, what a staggering thought to think that only one in ten, one in ten, came to faith in Christ in this instance. Father, I pray that would not be the case in our life. But Lord, that we would make sure to make known to the people around us the good news of Jesus Christ, the saving power of what he has done for us, that he has saved us from our sins, and that that is the ultimate miracle. Lord, we can be healed physically. We can receive all kinds of other blessings from you. But until we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we are still lost and will die in our sins and spend an eternity separated from you. Lord, as I think about that, I think about friends. I think about family members who don't know Jesus. Father, burden our hearts as believers for them, that we would share with them this good news of the gospel. But Father, I pray that if there is even one who's listening who is not saved, Lord, that they would hear themselves in this story. And they would realize that Jesus has done everything that ever needed to be done for them. All they have to do is receive the free gift of salvation. To call out to Jesus and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, I pray that as they confess that and as they profess their belief in what Christ did upon the cross 
His, res his burial in the tomb and resurrection from the tomb and the eternal life that they can have if they trust in him. Lord, I pray they will believe in him and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to live for you all the days of their life. But Father, that begins with turning around from the direction they're going to turn back to Jesus. What a picture, Lord, of repentance to turn away from and to turn back to you. Lord, I pray that that's what all of us would do this evening. Whether we're here as an unbeliever or we're here as a believer, may we come in repentance to say, God, forgive me for not having the compassion and the love and the urgency to tell others around me of your good, good, good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless us, Lord, in this invitation and may your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we sing our hymn of invitation number 317, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us, would you stand as we sing and come as the Lord lays on your heart. Thank you for joining with us here in person tonight. Thank you for joining with us there uh, online. We'll be back again Wednesday night. Uh, we're in the Minor Prophets. We're in the book of Hosea. So I want to encourage you to come and, and join us in person for that or watch us there online, listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, just thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Uh, we wish you a blessed week. Stay safe, and we'll see you this Wednesday night, 6 o'clock.